0: Welcome. You are listening to the East Coast Sisterhood Podcast, where women are inspired, encouraged, and loved. If you are a woman, you are sisterhood. It's not about what you do. It's about
1: who you are and who we are called to be as daughters of God.
0: All right. Well, welcome to the Sisterhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jeannie Terry, and I have a sister in Christ with me today. Her name is Johanna, and she has an amazing story about adoption that she's going to share with us. And Johanna... Welcome to the Sisterhood podcast for the very Thank first you. time. Yes, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Can you can you introduce yourself real quick?
1: Yeah, sure. My name is Johanna. Um, my family and I moved to Florida a little over nine months ago. We came here from Colorado Springs, where we had lived for fifteen years before that. So we're getting used to um, Florida. Especially these first couple of days of Florida fall have been like glorious. We are so into it. I thought, wow, I never thought 80 degrees in fall could feel so magical, but we're (laughs) loving it. Um, I work from home part-time for a really, um, wonderful book publishing company. I've been doing that. It'll be 15 years in November. I love my job. I love what I do. Um, I'm married to my husband, Tim, who is amazing, faithful, loving, handyman. Um, so many great things I could say about Tim. We could spend the whole podcast talking about all of his qualities, but that's not, we're here for today. That'll,
0: That'll be the next podcast.
1: That'll be the next one. Um, I have three children. Um, I have two girls and a boy. And as you mentioned, we're talking about adoption today and my son, we brought home from adoption just about nine months ago. Um, I like to bake. I like to pretend that I'm like a real baker. I have a sign in my kitchen that says patisserie But really, it's just a hobby. And I think that even though I love what I do with working with publishing, if I could quit my job and go to a culinary school overseas in France, I would do it in a heartbeat so that I could learn how to bake like beautiful, amazing things.
0: What is the one thing that you like to bake the most right now? Do you have a favorite?
1: Well, like, I mean, it's fall, right? So all things pumpkin. I went to <laughs> Trader Joe's a couple days ago and I bought every pumpkin thing they had. It didn't matter like what it was, if it was pumpkin flavored or leaf shaped or had any fall thing on it, I I bought it. So we're totally into the pumpkin baking right now. I also do something really fun at Christmas time where my daughters and I we bake um, like close to a thousand Christmas cookies and not just simple recipes. I like to find the really crazy hard ones and make those. And then we mail them to people all Mm. over the country. We put them out uh, on our doorstep for the UPS and FedEx people who are undoubtedly hustling for us, not just at Christmas, but let's do it all year long. Like everything comes online. And so we put out treat bags and little things for them just as a way to say, hey, you know, we see you. Mm-hmm. we're grateful for you. We love you. And I just think like one of our slogans for Christmas is, is big joy spread cheer. And so that's what we do. We just love to bake around here. I love that.
0: That is so, so precious to think about the delivery people. I love that. And I just picked up what you said about, um, you brought home your son from adoption nine months mm-hmm. ago, which is also when you moved to Florida, you said nine months ago. So yeah. that, um, they talk about big life kind of stressors or big events in life. And it sounds like you had two at the same time and we're going to get into that. Um, so I've, briefly talk to to you about your story about adoption. And I want to start just by saying that this story is so much more than Mm -hmm. just an adoption story. And it's a trusting God kind of story. It's a Mm -hmm. miracles can happen kind of story. Mm -hmm. And with that said, Johanna, I want to, Johanna, excuse me. Call me Joe Um, if it's easy. Joe, Joe, (laughs) Joe, Joe. um, I want you to take me back to the, just the, when did the thought of even adopting, came into your mind?
1: Yeah. So my husband and I were leading a small group um, at our church in Colorado Springs, which is called New Life Church. And we had led small groups there for years, just loved being part of that. And when a, we would choose the curriculum every couple of weeks. We would study something new, whether it was parenting or marriage. And there was a book I had heard about from one of my favorite pastors and authors. His name is Mark Batterson. He pastors a church in D.C. that has lots of um, satellite campuses, and they're just doing great things in the D.C. area. And he had written a book um, that was called The Circle Maker. And I heard great things about it, New York Times bestseller. And so we decided that we were going to read The Circle Maker and do the curriculum. And the idea with The Circle Maker is that there are big prayers that God wants us to pray. And that big prayers honor God. Like, is he honored by our small prayers, by the ones of just like, help me Lord get out of bed. Like, you know, the little things like that, um, to the big things like Lord, uh, there's no way out. Like if you don't show up, we're not getting through this. And over the last few years, my husband and I, we've prayed both of those kinds of prayers so many times, but we really learned that through this book, the circle maker. And the idea of a circle is that you're just kind of like walking around the prayer. So the prayer would be in the middle and you're going around and around and you're not leaving until the Lord answers it and answers it specifically in the way that he told you to. So we're taking our small group through this Circle Maker small group guide and we just start thinking, okay, what are the prayers that God has laid on our heart? What does he want us to pray, right? Because the the word tells us that he's going to give us the desires of our heart, but we know that he's the one who puts those desires in In the first place, we are like, Lord, what do you want us to pray? And at that point we had one daughter, our oldest daughter, and we were saying, do we want, do we have another baby? Or you've put this kind of rumbling for adoption in us. Do we adopt a baby? My father-in-law was adopted. One of our most precious, dearest friends in the world. Uh, She lives out in California. She was adopted. And there were so many times where we thought our lives would not be what they are if someone had not said yes to those two people. Like Mm -hmm. we would not have been as blessed as we are if those people were not in our lives. And so as we're praying about this, the Lord just said, yes. But Yes to what? And he was like, <laughs> yes to both. So we started pursuing having another child biologically and also went down the path of adoption. And some people were thinking, you guys are crazy. Like you can't have, you're basically going to have twins. Like everyone who says they have twins, it breaks them, right? It's just <laughs> like, you need a lot of mercy to raise twins. And we thought, well, we could do it. We could do it. What we didn't realize is that it was a five-year journey. And the Lord had us say yes because He knew it was going to take that long for it to come yeah. together. Wow,
0: yeah, five year journey. Um, so tell us, uh, tell us, so you said yes. or yes. God said God said yes. God and said yes. so you you start down this journey and, Tell us. I mean, why yeah. Why five years? Is that typical? Tell us what this process was like for you all.
1: Yeah. So it, adoption was nothing like what we thought. And I had some friends and family who had done foster care before. And foster care is definitely a lot different. We were going down the private adoption route. So that meant that we were looking to partner with an agency who services moms. And those birth moms would come to them. And then essentially they market you to the moms. So what the five-year process is, it started with finding an agency who we could partner with, which just took a lot of time. It's like, it's like interviewing a house builder or, or someone to put a pool in for you. Like you're interviewing them to make sure that the investment you're about to put in is going to be worth it and is going to be a right fit for you.
0: And so did you look locally? What kind of agency did you go with?
1: We we looked all around. We ended up choosing an agency about 30 minutes north of where we lived in Castle Rock, Col- Colorado called Hope's Promise. We just met with them, and it was one of those moments where you walk in the door, and we met their director, and the peace of the Lord was there. And for us, that's always the biggest sign of his presence is that the peace is there. And so mm-hmm. even in a moment where we're trying to make a big decision, if we're feeling the peace of God... We're going to go with it. So we signed on or we started the conversation with Hope's Promise, but I was also pregnant with my second daughter. And they said, well, we can't take you. And Now why can't they take you? Because they wouldn't take on an adoptive family who was biologically pregnant with another. They felt that that would be um, disheartening and discouraging to a birth mom. So they told us to wait. So that was the first year of waiting. But we didn't waste that time. We used it to do paperwork. There is so much paperwork in adoption. <laughs> and so we used it to start doing the paperwork and sending in our police reports and getting fingerprinted and just so many things that have to be done in order to bring a baby home. We had to make the first payment of saying like, yeah, we're we're in, here's our money. Um, So there's a lot of things that goes goes on. And it was just after my second daughter was born that we were able to essentially go active in the system. So she was one years old. And we were finally at the point at the place where someone could have. Chose us. And so we're on the website for, you know, the website for the adoption agency. We're using Hope's Promise. They have a little section that says meet our waiting families. And we were on there. You could click through and look at our pictures. And we had a little letter. And it's basically like this just this feeling of like, choose us, choose us. And we definitely had some arrogance about ourselves. We thought who wouldn't want to be who wouldn't want to be in our family. We thought for sure we would be chosen right away because we know how much fun we have and we know how much we felt called to this and we just thought surely it's going to happen right away.
0: What and, I find interesting and some people might not know this as well is your family was being marketed. You don't get
1: to choose. No, we don't get to choose. So essentially we were up on that website with our pictures and our letter. And so birth moms would come to that and they would look at that. And from there they would decide whether or not they would want to meet us. We also had a book, kind of like a yearbook, just full of photos of our family where you're trying to tell the story of your entire family in 12 pages of pictures yeah. to persuade someone like to have a conversation or to start that next step. And so we were waiting. And, and the other part that comes with that is that the, the birth moms have to go to the agency. So the birth moms would be in conversation with the caseworkers at the agency, and then the agency would send us an email with a profile of the mom, and it would tell us whatever information they had about her. And it it feels unfair because in a lot of ways, they want to be forthright with you on what kind of child this could or couldn't be, but it's kind of like a rap sheet for these moms. And so they're getting our yearbook of photos of glossy, smiley family memories. And we're kind of getting the sheet that tells us the worst of the worst um, mm. of what they've been through. And and adoption is really, I mean, it really starts with grief. It, it, it is a broken story and there is grieving because a mom wouldn't choose to not raise their child if they couldn't. And and so it just starts with brokenness and it starts with a lot of sadness. And you see that when you get these emails, you see that. And we would get them and then we have the opportunity to say yes, present our family, or no, we don't think we can handle that kind of situation. We went through a lot of adoptive training. And one of the things that my husband and I just said, Hey, we don't think we can take this on was fetal alcohol syndrome. We learned a lot about what that does to a child. If a mom is abusing alcohol. And we just thought we're not cut out for that. Funny enough, as we read about what happens with a drug baby, a baby who comes out addicted to drugs, we thought, Okay, that sounds like something we could do. It's kind of short-term pain and weaning them off, but the effects of fetal alcohol syndrome are lifelong, which of what it does to a child. Which I find that
0: very fascinating because you Isn't would it? think, but I mean, I think we all have to come to the realization that alcohol is a drug, right? It's just a different kind of drug. It's a different Some, kind
1: of drug. Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. I mean. I don't know what it's like to read a bunch of profiles on moms who are giving their child up for adoption. What was that like for you?
1: Um, Well, it was, it was difficult, but it was also frustrating because with this um, particular agency in Colorado and to know, to no fault of their own, the profiles just slowed down. There wasn't a lot to choose from. We knew that they had over 20 families that were waiting. And so it just, it started to feel the more we saw these profiles, and we were matched. We were with them actively for uh, about twenty months. So over a year and a half. And there would only be like maybe at the beginning four profiles that would come in a month, but then it really started to slow down just because of some things that were going in on in Colorado and laws that were being passed and political climate. that all speaks into how these moms are feeling and how they can choose. and, it got really slow to where we were seeing like maybe one profile a month. And it became very painful because in some ways you felt like, oh, we're competing against all these other families and we want to be the winner. And Mm. like our family, we love to win. Like we just, we (laughs) we love to win. And it it wasn't the right heart. And through Mm. that journey, um, one of my dearest friends, a woman who I admire and adore, she had been set up with um, a consultant through. It was a crazy story, but she was also with our agency, Hope's Promise. And they saw an Insta story for an adoption consultant who was looking for a specific type of family. And her family, even though they weren't pursuing a domestic adoption, they were going international, they were a great match for this. And so they took a leap of faith and signed on with this consultant agent. And as they're telling us about this, I just thought, something was burning in my heart. And I thought, I think this is for us too. Um, So I talked to my husband about it. I talked to Tim and I just thought, what do you think? And at first he was like, no, no, because we had already invested a lot of money into our agency in Colorado. And to go on with this adoption consultant agency, we would essentially be financially starting over. Like we would Mm. just have to financially start from the beginning. And it was, double the cost of what our first agency would be. And so he was really hesitant. I just left it in his court and just, I felt this burning in my chest for it. But I knew it wasn't a decision I could make without him. It had to be something we were doing together. So fast forward a few months, and he flew to Dallas, Texas, where his family was to surprise his mom one year for Mother's Day. Um, but he was feeling kind of bad about leaving me on Mother's Day because we had <laughs> two kids. And he and I encouraged him to go. I said, listen, we've lived away from family for a long time. How Uh, When was the last time you spent Mother's Day with your mom? He found a super cheap ticket. So he went down, but he said, I want to be home on Mother's Day at some point. So he got home from the airport. We took our kids out for dessert because that's what we do. We eat dessert first, always. And I think that night we just skipped dinner and we went right for a strawberry (laughs) shortcake. We were sitting outside in this really beautiful area in Colorado Springs and he just told me, he said, I feel like the Lord is telling us to sign on with this adoption consultant agency. So we did it. We put down the money, we made the call, and this became a totally different experience because to where with Hope's Prompt, and we were still with our agency in Colorado. So now we're working with both at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so we started seeing... I mean, it was so different because this consultant agency is based in Georgia and they work with adoption agencies all over the country. So instead of now just seeing moms from Colorado, from our specific area, we're seeing moms from everywhere. Like just everywhere. I mean, there's all but two states they work with. Mm -hmm. And the rate at which these profiles were coming in was so fast. Like compared to where we were kind of conditioned to seeing like one, maybe two a month and just pouring over that. And then you'd wait a week for the answer. All of a sudden, we're seeing like up to nine a week. And so mm-hmm. you get these in your inbox and it's it's like the way we respond to the dings on our phone, you know, when you get a text message, it's like a dog response, almost like bing. And then you see the email and you immediately drop everything and go read that email because you just think, is this the one, like, right. could this be our baby? And what started to happen was just this deep heaviness over us because we're looking at it. And instead of just digesting one or two profiles of stories of pain and brokenness, we're ingesting five, six, seven, eight, nine a week. Mm. and it's so sad. And in these cases, you just think it's sad, but then there's also hope because you know that there's other families and that someone will end up raising this child and there's beauty in it, but you're also grappling with, am I that one? Is right. this the one for me? And my husband he when we signed on with this consultant agency, he just He said, all right, we've got this. We already spent a boatload of money in Colorado and now we're starting over financially. So he said, here's the top. We've got a top, a top line of a budget that we're willing to spend. And he's like, we're not going to go over this. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that's actually not, you know, I mean, some of these profiles we were seeing are upwards of $65,000. And I just thought, oh, okay, he's putting us like kind of in the low to middle end, but I'm just going to trust the Lord that, and by low to middle end, I mean, $40,000. That's the budget he he said. And did we have 40,000 extra dollars? No, no, we don't. We don't have a money printer where we're just cranking it out. (laughs) It's not happening. I should also mention, as you said earlier, like this is not just like one life change story, but in the middle of that, my husband also quit his job. The Lord had told him to walk away from a startup that he had been working on for the last five years. He had kind of abused any kind of rest time. And the Lord said, it's time to take a Sabbath. It's time to let the field rest. And the way God provided for us in the time where he took that step of faith to quit his job, but then we also sign up for for something that's going to potentially cost us $40,000. That's where I really came back to the Psalm that says, the Lord owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And I thought, Lord, we just need one. Like you you <laughs> own everything. There's right. and what really the Lord solidified to us in that scene is there is no lack in the kingdom. Like if he is for it, then he will figure out the resources to have it. I was reading about that just this morning in my Bible of just like how Paul had everything he needed. Right. And that is was true of God 2000 years ago. And it's true mm-hmm. of God today. Like if he is in it, he's going to give us what we need. And so I had this budget, we're seeing these profiles and after about eight weeks of this, we just bottomed out. I mean, part of saying yes is not just taking on the story and processing it, but then it's also handwriting a letter to the mom and saying why you think you would be a good match and trying to pull out something specific Mm. from her story that we could relate to, to see, is this a spark? It's kind of like Speed dating, I guess. I've never done speed <laughs> dating. But just this idea of like, is there a spark between us? And will, right. if I say this, will she feel a connection? And right. and uploading these handwritten letters into where um, in Colorado, we would wait like a week or two to hear. We would hear within two days. And so it was like, okay, well, there's a no for this one. Let's move on to the next one. It's no for this one. Let's move on to the next one. Well, after weeks of this, we were just exhausted. We were mentally and emotionally exhausted because we knew God had called us to this. We're coming up on three, three years. Well, really like almost four at this point from when the Lord first told us like to do this Mm -hmm. and our hearts were tired. Our hearts were so tired and we couldn't carry the weight of it. And it just, you know, now I, in in hindsight, everything makes sense, right? Because Jesus tells us, you're not meant to carry those burdens. You Mm -hmm. give me the burden and I'm instead going to give you my yoke. Let me teach you for my burden is easy. My yoke is light. But we weren't taking that on fully in that sense. We knew that this was going to have to be the Lord, but we also were trying to carry some of that alone. And I, there were Mm -hmm. days where I would just cry. Lord, you called us to this. Why is this not happening? We cannot figure it out. And we can't, we can't arm wrestle. You can't talk someone into it. We got really close in July of last year. I remember my phone rang and this, um, adoption, um, caseworker was on the line and she said, Hey, you've made it to the top three for this mom in Florida. Remember at this time we were living in Colorado and they said, but they want to talk about naming the baby and they really want to be a part the couple who's placing this child for a parenting plan. Um and that that's a big thing too is there was so much we learned in adoption just about the right terminology to really understand the process that shifts your heart. There's there's a lot of I think um just wrong frameworks of mind about adoption and as I said before a mom would never choose to to not parent if she couldn't. I mean, I've I've had two kids and I can't imagine what that would be like to leave the hospital empty handed, just the grief of that. And they're not giving up their child. They are making a parenting plan so that this child will have a better life. Um, And I remember that this birth mom and and we we really learned so much about honoring these women. I think there's a lot of cultural um, just misjudgments that, that don't honor them. It doesn't honor them for who they are made in the image of God, broken people who need a savior, same as me, right? A broken person who needs a savior. And we got this phone call one day and they said, Hey, they want to be part of naming the baby. And I said, okay, yeah, let's talk about it. And this couple, um, but they haven't us, chosen you yet. They haven't chosen us. No, okay. they were going to pick their family based on if the family was willing to go with their names. And for us, names have been so significant. The Lord has used that in so many ways, even from the street we live on. He can, when we bought this house in Florida, he literally confirmed that we were supposed to buy this. <laughs> through, you don't have to
0: tell us the street name. That no,
1: you I with. won't. But like through a, a story in Leviticus of all names. And I'm like, how, God is in de- the details for names yeah. with us. And so, um, they gave us our names, their names. And I thought, no, mm -mm. we can't name, we, we can't name our, we can't name our child that. And not that it was a bad name, but it didn't have any depth of meaning. And we knew the Lord was going to speak to us for that. And so that was hard because for the first time we were so close and then we weren't. And then, yeah. And then a couple weeks later, I was in my office at work. And an email came through and I read it and I couldn't, I couldn't get through the profile. I couldn't get through it because my heart was breaking and I got home from work. My husband was outside with our kids. They were running their power wheels up and down the street. And we just asked him, I said, did you see the profile that came in? And he said, no, but how much was it? <laughs> this was his first question. And I said, well, it's $41,500. And he said, okay, because obviously that's over the budget he had given us. I mean, again, we don't have this kind of money to begin with. It's like playing Monopoly or something. And so- Play money. Yeah, play money, right? Like we'll just, we'll pass go and get another $200. (laughs) Um, And so he, he was just I don't know, there was something stirring in my heart, but I hit a real low that weekend. We had a couple of days to respond and just emotionally I was feeling so sad. And when I look back, I can see that the enemy was just trying to distract me because I wasn't feeling sad about the profile. I mean, it moved me, like my spirit moved when I read this um, story about this young lady. And I was so compelled that we needed to say yes. I mean, no matter what, this thing could have been a million dollars. And I was just compelled that we were going to say yes in this moment. But the enemy started to distract me. And I started to go into a real low moment where I was feeling sad for myself over silly things like we it was our anniversary weekend and our babysitter canceled and then we weren't going to get to go on a date and then i started to feel just gross about me and sad about like oh i don't take enough time to exercise and why can't mm-hmm. why do i not lose weight as quickly as i gain it and all of these just mm-hmm. things and i remember laying on the couch that weekend just bawling my eyes out emotional low had nothing to do with adoption and then i kind of woke up on sunday and thought oh my goodness i need to write a letter and the letter had kind of been stirring in my heart i I said, I work in publishing and so writing and books are my thing. And the letter flowed so easily. And then three days later, my cell phone rang and it said St. Petersburg, Florida. And in that moment, I called for Tim and I was like, come on. You know, he was in his office and our kids were outside playing and we answered the phone. I put it on speakerphone and it was that first time where the caseworker comes on and she introduces herself and she says, "Um, you've been chosen. Mm -hmm. And I just thought those words, Mm -hmm. like those words after so many years of waiting and then those words and you're feeling all the things, my palms are sweating, my whole body is sweating. And then they say, we have your mom right here on speakerphone. You know, we Mm want to introduce you. And just that moment where I kind of felt the sense of the Lord, this was going to be it because of the way my spirit responded, but then to get the news. And to just hear that and all of these feelings and all of these just gratitude and talking to her and nervousness and, and bumbling over words and, um, you know, the, the hairiness of trying to talk to someone on speakerphone and not even hearing it well and just trying to focus. And it was such joy and it was such celebration for all that waiting. Mm. And so she tells us, you know, I'm going to have a baby. And at that point she didn't know the gender. She was finding out the gender the next week. And so we found out that he, it was a boy and she was due in December. So this was August of 2019 that we got the call. We met her for the first time in September of 2019. And then our son was born in December of 2019. So all that waiting and then boom, just like, Done, Here's your kid. <laughs> you I love know. that. you also didn't know the gender. We didn't know, and it didn't matter. Um, to us, I mean, the more restrictions you put around an adoption profile of what kind of baby you will or will not take, uh, the less likelihood is that you will be matched because if you're going to be really choosy, then it's going to take a little bit longer. And we tried to be really open, not not only because we wanted to be matched, but also because we knew, like the Lord, had called us to this. He had not said anything specifically to us about what kind of baby, not what race, not what gender, not what um, differently abled things there might be about them, just a baby. And so we cast our net wide and we said yes and we were thrilled to have a boy. I mean most of us, one daughter was teen boy, one daughter was teen girl. It was fine. (laughs) But now none of us would change, change it. You know, the Lord knew what we needed. He knew. As he always says, uh,
0: well, and I say that because I've heard other um, parents say, "I want a boy, I yeah. want a girl," uh, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it always like yeah. it makes me kind of uh, tilt my head, I guess, because I never knew the gender of uh, either one of our children. We uh-huh. kept it a secret until delivery, yeah. and I just kept saying, "I want a healthy baby, I want a healthy yeah. baby, I want a healthy baby." Like that's yeah. so, I'm so, uh, I'm encouraged by what you yeah. said that you didn't, it didn't matter.
1: About it didn't, that. It, it didn't, it didn't matter because the Lord always knows best, right? He knows yeah. what we need. He knows what we need. And if I follow myself, I'm going to get into a whole heap of trouble. Yeah. 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 So he was born
0: in December. Did you take him home right away? Tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So we basically, from the time we met her in September until December, that was, that. that's a whole nother track of our story. Because at this point, my husband got hired for a new job. And while he was hired for a remote position, that job was located in Florida. And so we thought, okay, that's strange um, because our son is being born in Florida and now he's been hired for a job in Florida, which the Lord kind of led us on breadcrumbs to that too, through some mentors at church that we had breakfast with who happened to be on the board, who helped us know that a job that he thought he was applying for in Colorado Springs was actually in Florida. And so he was hired on that. And when he was, we just thought, this is not, we don't stop here. It's not just he's going to provide the job and now we're done and great. He has a new job. We knew the Lord said, keep going. And so, a couple weeks later, after we met our birth mom, um, my husband and I were talking, and I just said, I think, you know, we both agreed that we thought the Lord was telling us to move to Florida. And so, we had never been to this particular city. We had never been here before. We didn't even know where Melbourne was. We thought it was on the West Coast. We knew it wasn't Melbourne, Australia, but we had no idea where it was <laughs> in right. Florida. And so, I just told him, I said, hey, just fly down there and just go put some feet on the ground before we just like, Abraham ourselves and go. And so he did. He flew down, and I said, Go find my Target. Go find my grocery Uh, store. Like, how far is Costco? You know, the essentials. And like, go find something that could feel like home. And so he did. And he came down here on like a fact finding mission. And he came back to Colorado and he just said, Yeah, I think this is it. And so we put our house on the market during this time. So our mama is pregnant with our son and we've got our kids. We've got a wonderful life. We loved living in Colorado. Not, I mean, the mountains are wonderful and we would spend time out there and we did like the seasons, but really the people, it was the people that made it so precious to us and the community that we had who cheered us on through this whole adoption process, like none other. They were the saints who prayed us through all the way. They celebrated just as big as we did when we were matched. And And they're like, what?
0: You're leaving us now?
1: And then we thought, what are we? And I thought, Lord, what are you doing? Like, these people literally brought this kid home. You know, they were the ones, they're the ones who told us not to give up when I'm crying in my kitchen, like banging my fist, you know, and they're saying, Mm. no, this will be good and just encouraging us. And so we put our house on the market and we, it's old right? Cause the housing market's crazy. And so it sold and we thought, okay, um, it sold in less than a month. So we needed to come back down to Florida for, um, some legal matters around our adoption anyway. And we had three days to look for a house and we just started doing it. So at this point we have a baby on the way, my husband with a new job, and we just sold our house it is the end of November. We're here. We find a house. Well, the Lord found the house for us. We put a contract on it. It's accepted. We fly back to Colorado. We do Thanksgiving, do all of our last favorite things, pack our house. And 13 days later, we're back on a one-way flight. We flew into Florida on December 8th and um, our son was born on December 9th. And it was just, we left that morning. We had our suitcases piled up at the door. We turned the key for the last time. The movers were going to come get our stuff um, in in about a week. And I just remember looking at that front porch step and the song, is he worthy? Came to my mind. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of this? And the resounding answer is he is like, he is worthy of our 12 suitcases and 18 backpacks packed (laughs) up around for everything Southwest is going to let us take on this airplane. (laughs) And he is worthy. And so we just did it. We left. And the next day, not 20 hours later, I'm holding my son in my Mm. arms. And it's like, Lord, only you, only you, because Mm. no one can do that in their own physical strength. And then also within that, to give us the gift of knowing this woman, this young, brave, willing, kind woman who said, I can't raise him I want children I want to raise children um but not being but just having the wisdom and to know that at this season in her life she couldn't give him the best and we fell in love with her just as the way we fell in love with our son she is so precious to me and we did our best to love her well because there were things about her story that um aren't perfect but there are things about my story that aren't perfect right. And really, we have so much more in common than we do in differences. And so when we were matched with her, I just thought, I want to love her so well. She had been kind of um, in lots of different housing situations over the last year. And so one of the things the adoption agency does is they help get her in stable housing through the rest of her pregnancy and through the delivery, just so she can be comfortable and safe. And Mm -hmm. so she had never, um, had an apartment on her own before. And so we just start, what do you need? Well, I don't have a, I don't have a bed. Okay. We're going to get you a bed. What else do you need? Well, I could use some blackout curtains and a lamp. And so I Mm -hmm. just put together an Amazon wish list, and I told my friends and family, I was like, let's roll out the red carpet for her. And you know, some of the adoption caseworkers who we knew, they were like, just, just be careful. Like you don't want to overdo it. And I I, don't
0: bless her too much.
1: Right. Right. And I listened to that and I thought, okay, well, yeah, maybe they're right. Maybe we should pull back. And then the Lord just reminded me, he was like, I roll out the red carpet for you every time because you're not a slave. You're a son and the son is an heir. And I just thought, why wouldn't we do that to her too? Like, I can't, I can't repay her for what she's given me. Not only a son, not only a baby, um, that I didn't have to birth because I really hated being pregnant. I would have done it again, but it's just not my favorite thing. And I thought not only has she given me this baby, but she's also grown my heart in ways that I can't, I can't imagine where else would I meet someone like her in, in my bubble that I live in, in what the Lord has placed me in. And she grew my heart in so many ways in humility and in compassion and in gratitude and what she's given us, we can never repay her for never. And it feels a lot like that with the Lord, right? Like what he's given us, we can never repay. So what's our response? Love yeah. and a lot of love. And, and she's been in a situation where she's not always known that she's loved. And so I tell her all the time, every time, and we have an open adoption with her. So when I put my son to bed at night, we pray for her. He's going to know her name. Um, And he will only hear stories about my ability to honor her because I never want him to think that we think less of her because we don't or that we think we're more important than her because we're not like she is a child of the Lord. She is a mother. She's a mother in a different sense, but she's a mother and she deserves all the honor we can give her. And it just, there were so many things about this adoption journey that grew us in humility and gratitude and perseverance um, in God's provision and just just realizing so much more about ourselves and not just gaining a son, but gaining a birth mom. You know, and and just thinking, and what the Lord really used on my heart in that time was Luke 15, the story about the one, the one lost sheep, the one lost coin the one lost son. In all those stories, it's about the one. Like Mm -hmm. Jesus is so wanting us to catch that it's about the one. And I read something in a book. There was a book that came out at the same time called Something Needs to Change by David Platt. It's a beautiful travelogue about his time In some mountain areas where people don't know the Lord. And he says, he talks about Luke 15 and he says, the collective meaning of all these stories then is clear the one lost sheep, the one lost coin, the one lost son is that God is passionate about finding the one, which is remarkable when you think about it. God doesn't just love the crowds, he loves the one. And I was Mm -hmm. thinking about this and I thought, our one is not just our son right mm-hmm. our one is her and when you their adoption is often described as a triad you have the mom you have the baby and then you have the adoptive family and in each it's it's the one there's one in each and to us she's our one and we're going to love her until we can't love her anymore like we're <laughs> going to love her into the kingdom we're going to love her all the way through um because the lord used her to teach us so much about prayer and faith and love and that he really does love the one. What a
0: fascinating journey. I love the, you talk about humility and how she's opened your heart and Mm -hmm. how you would have never probably met her in your bubble. And I feel like that's such a a great faith perspective in which to look at your story because some people could look at adoption like, I did you a favor. Mm Yeah you know, but what you're saying is quite the opposite was yeah. you gave me more than I can ever repay you for. So I'm, I'm going to pay the extra over the budget limit. I'm right. going to find you a bed. I'm going to find you a lamp. I'm going to do an Amazon, uh, wish list account and send it all to my friends and just bless the crap out of her. Right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what what I gained I would never trade back all those times where I shook my fist at the lord and we cried and we were frustrated and we were saying we know you called us to it why are you not showing up like because it was a lesson that we needed to learn over years mm-hmm. and I don't I was texting with a friend who's also on an adoption journey right now and she said no one ever told me how dark adoption would be no one ever told me how dark this journey would be and it's true mm-hmm adoption is so beautiful. And the day we finalized with our son was such a celebration of so much joy to get. In fact, just yesterday, our paperwork came in the mail, the final copy signed by the judge in ink saying he is forever and ever yours. And so there are Mm. all these moments that just come and and you, you realize the beauty of it. But the beauty is at the end and it's seeing the full story. There's a lot of dark days in adoption. There's a lot of questioning the Lord. And there's a lot of saying, I'm just going to do the last thing you told me to do because I'm not seeing you in this. And Mm -hmm. it's hard and it's dark. And there are a lot of people who we don't, who will tell like, yeah, the Lord, part of our story is he called us to adopt this precious, precious baby boy. And he said, oh, that sounds so great. I'd love to adopt one day. And my response is always don't, (laughs) like, don't, don't just do it because it makes your heart feel good because it makes you feel good. I said, if the Lord has not called you to it, you'll want to walk that road because it needs so much of him. But just as the Lord called us to adoption, he may be calling someone else to something else, to missions, to starting a church, to being an entrepreneur, to just faithfully doing their job every day. And the thing is, whatever God calls us to, he is going to equip us to, right? He's going to equip us to do it. And what I learned is we're not doing anything if Jesus hasn't called us to it. Because in my flesh, there's no way we could have survived the roller coaster we were on for five years. It's not humanly possible, but it is supernaturally possible.
0: Yeah, I think you definitely, this is definitely a story of uh, perseverance because yeah. you had you had so graciously shared with us yeah. your very low point in your life. And thank you for, for doing that and being so authentic. Um,
1: One of many. There were many. <laughs>
0: This is, this is a story about perseverance and character building uh, with humility and um, staying in your lane and listening to the will of God about what you're, what you can accept and what you think you can take on and, and going after the one, um, not only in your son, but also in his birth mom and, um, and how you just talk about what you gained is, is far more than you could ever repay her Mm. and, uh, and, uh. You have a, we talk about miracles and you mm. talk about a sign that you have in front of your house. Can you tell us about what that sign yes. says?
1: Yeah. So when you walk in the front floor of our house, there is a massive sign that said there will be miracles. Because if I were to, if I were to go back and tell you every detail that happened over the last five years of our life from the time that we said yes to the Lord on this journey to now sitting in Florida in a totally new place with with an extra kid and all the things that he's done. It's nothing short of miracles. Like the way that things lined up can only be the Lord. Like we're just not that lucky. We're not. And so we got really used to seeing miracles and just expecting them and just saying, you know, there was there was a time this summer where there was some stress about some of our legal paperwork going through. And it was one of those moments again where I said, all right, Lord, you have to show up. Like we're fighting <laughs> yeah. with our spiritual weapons and that's yeah. it because you've not called us to fight this one with our worldly weapons. So we're going to do it. But if you don't show up, there's no way out. Yeah. And what did he do? He showed up just as he always faithfully does. And so we've gotten really used to miracles. And I have that sign. There will be miracles because there have been miracles to get us here so far. Mm-hmm. And what it tells me is he will keep doing them. He will keep doing them as long as we stay submitted to what he's asking us to do.
0: Absolutely. And I just, I love your faith journey because it talks about um, being obedient
1: mm-hmm. and
0: stepping out. I've, I was just having a conversation with someone this morning is when truth is revealed to us through God's word, we have to respond. Yes. And I think the biggest thing that you did to start this journey and to see those miracles happen was respond.
1: Yes. And there that's was, all you did was respond. And there were some other moments of response. I mean, another crit, this is kind, this is going to sound crazy. People are going to listen and think, wow, those people are nuts. But there was a point in July of last year before we were matched with our, our lovely birth mom where someone one of my coworkers, sent me a link about a baby who had been left at a fire station so fire stations have you know this rule that if you feel unable to care for a child you can drop your baby off no questions asked and they said hey you know look hours away from where you live in another part of colorado a baby was dropped off at a fire station maybe this is the one for you i thought maybe this is the one for us. And so what did we do? We got in the car and we drove hours across the state, like just to go knock on the fire station door and say like, Hey, we're adoptive family. Our home is all done. All the paperwork's in. We're just wondering if this baby needed a home. And they're like, Okay, Um, because it's not how it happens, right? And yeah, in hindsight, was that ambitious? Was it a little crazy? It was a little hair crazy to like, load ourselves up in the car and drive a couple of hours to say like, does this kid need a home? But at that point, we knew that this was for us. And, and what, it was also a little embarrassing because the, they were, they got real protective real fast. And they're like, we're not going to tell you anything because obviously like, here's this couple who just shows up saying like, Hey, we'll take the baby. You know? right, right. Um, but what happened through that is it really put some shoes on my feet for this journey. And it just said, you know what, this is going to take a little bit of crazy. It just might take a little bit of crazy. And it showed me, okay. We're willing. We're willing to do a little crazy. Nice. Yeah. That's that's
0: that thank you so much for sharing that 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 journey of miracle after miracle after miracle. So you just finished saying that you have the paperwork. It's stamped, he's yours. He's ours. Going for dessert? What are you doing? (laughs) How you celebrating?
1: We eat that dessert all the time. Um, you know, it was what was interesting is our finalization moment and that we did it over Zoom because Corona, um, so we did it in our in our dining room, and it was not. Is it wonderful? Is it is it so exciting to finally have that paperwork? Yeah, yes, it definitely is. But that Zoom call of finalizing our adoption was not the highest point in the journey. It was not the mountaintop because we knew that if there was a a hiccup or a delay that would happen, that would slow it down, it wasn't going to change what God had already said would be true. Mm -hmm. We knew that we could, and I, I remember feeling at one point, if I have to you know, run, metaphorically speaking, another five miles on this journey, we could do it because we know how the story has ended. The Lord promised us a son. He showed us through scripture so many times. He promised us a son. And so we don't have to look back and wonder if this is going to finalize because he said it. And so we believe it. Right. So having that moment of finalization was wonderful. And we celebrated that day and getting the paperwork in the mail yesterday was was wonderful, but it's not the highest point in the journey. Um, the highest mountaintops of the journey were the time where it was just us and Jesus, and we had nothing else. Those were the highest points. That's
0: good. So good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I feel like you're going to have so many more high points in this journey that this is, you're still in the middle. You're somewhere. You're not, definitely not at the end of your story. Yeah,
1: we're definitely just, we're on the next, we're on the next volume in the series of chapter one, right? Because now we get the joy of raising him and seeing why the Lord placed him in our family and seeing what promises God has for his life of why he decided that he needed to be in our family. And we get to continue to love his birth mom and watch her grow. You know, she's, she's young, younger. She's not, Mm -hmm. I mean, she's not 15, but you know, she's younger and watch her grow and see what the Lord is going to do with her life and how he's going to bless her. And we get a front row seat to that because we said yes. So it's good said yes yeah. to the one said yes to the one well thank you so much for sharing your story yeah, i really appreciate welcome.
0: it I, i've been blessed by it. i know others will be too yeah. thank Thanks, you jo. yeah thank you for listening to the east coast sisterhood podcast you can find more information about sisterhood at eccc.us sisterhood you can also find us on instagram and facebook just search east coast sisterhood